Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is Gil, your host, uh, Black Hole Comics on Instagram, YouTube, all that good stuff. Uh, my co-host tonight, we got Christian, aka Ghost. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And uh, we got some special guests tonight. We have uh, Gene and John. You guys want to there we go from uh the tribal force uh comic book is is that the right way to introduce it or should i say from machine comics uh tribal force not really sure how to introduce that probably say uh, tribal force by machine comics okay tribal force by machine comics there we go i probably should have asked that before introducing you sorry (laughs) uh so how's it going gentlemen Great. It's going good. I, I I got a little confused when you said gentlemen. I was like, <laughs> we got a, we got a couple uh, watchers already. Uh, I'll get into like the comments. What's up, Matt? What's going on? Uh, he said that he just got out of watching Ant Man. Uh, I just I too just watched it. I just got done with that. That was a good film. I liked it. Uh, so, guys, the way that we like to kick this thing off uh, with having new people on, we submit them to a gauntlet of questions called the Geeky Background Check. Uh, so we can just go ahead and round robin it. And when I call out the question, just like John could go, then Gene, and then Jane and John, you know, and so on and so on. Uh, so the first question is, where did the geekdom, the nerdum, the geeky stuff, where did it start for you guys? Uh, was it something that you had, you know, since you were a child or is it something that you came across recently? Uh, and where was the introduction from? Was it like from a family member or a friend? <laughs> Who wants to start us off? Go ahead, John. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I've always been into it ever since I was a kid. You know, I mean, since I could. Uh, I, the first comic book I ever picked up was a Superman family comic and had a purple dragon on it. And it was because my dad, we were at some gas station and there was a table full of comic books and you know, uh, and that's where it started and that everything just bloomed from there. You know, I got into sci-fi and uh, everything, you know, Space 1999, Star Trek and buying the Mego dolls and uh, or action figures, sorry. No, classics, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it just, it kept going. And I got, I was getting into trouble at school because all I would do is draw pictures of King Kong and Godzilla. I wasn't doing my work. <laughs> And, uh, you know, my parents were really worried about me because unlike my brothers, I wasn't into sports or anything like that. I was into this weird element they weren't used to yet. So, yeah, I've always been a concern or was a concern for my parents. (laughs) That's cool. cool. You're one one of us, as they say. (laughs) (laughs) And Gene? Yeah, my roads, um, so I'm the youngest of three brothers, and um, they're both stud athletes. I am not. Um, <laughs> I, I'm 
I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm like three times the size I was ever, you know, all through school. So I tried to play sports, um, was not that good. So I generally went out for the individual track type sports. But my comic nerddom actually starts back with Howard the Duck, honestly. Um, my brother had gotten, uh, was given a Howard the Duck and an Iron Man um, and a Silver Surfer comic book. And he shared it with me, I think it was about seven or eight, and it became a Bible. You know, I was just like so enthralled in it. And then from there, it actually went really over into uh, comic strips. And I just, you know, anything I can get my hands on with Bloom County and, you know, Charles Schultz and, um, uh, you know, uh, Calvin and Hobbes and, and all that. And then going back and forth between that and comic books as I grew up, that was that was it, you know, because it was a it was a medium that I understood. It was slower paced than um, uh, television. And something that you can ingest, but also something that kind of questioned you a little bit, especially like the, you know, a lot of political comics like, you know, Bloom County and Opus and Berkeley Breath and all them. And um, so, yeah, it, it was a um, it was really cool understanding that there was a medium as cool as TV that I could read. And, and that's how it kind of all started. But, yeah, my my journey really started with Silver Surfer and Howard the Duck. I love it. I love Silver Surfer from back in the day. I mean, yeah. some of the modern stuff is good too, but uh, his roots are awesome. Yeah, yeah, That's absolutely. Cool. Yeah, and um, you know, Jack Kirby's. I didn't know Jack who Jack Kirby was. You know, you don't know these guys until you actually put a name with it after a while. Um, but I got to meet you know Jack at my very first convention I went to. It was, it was actually one of his last that he went to. Um, and uh, just meeting and, and then going back through all the eternal stuff and, you know, all the, you know, the artwork that he did um, and the world, I think it was more, I was more floored by the worlds he created, you know, the oh, yeah. worlds that were relatable, that were, you know, I think to this day, I think we're still catching up to his, you know, the worlds and the, the theories and the, you know, the whole cultures that he, you know, not only imagined, but then also drew upon. And this is one of the reasons why I created Machine Comics was I was so, you know, amazed by what ancient cultures and, and everything can bring to uh, storytelling and lesson learning and, you know, wisdoms that uh, can be passed along through simple medium, which uh, I'm still, you know, uh, beyond enchanted with. So I'm, I'm a little biased here. Uh, I'm such a sucker for like, uh, Greek mythology, um, Norse mythology, just like all the different pantheons, mythologies, just all that stuff about, um, you know, how everything was such a sucker for that. So, uh, I mean, I know there's, we'll, we'll get into it, but there is some of that uh, aspect from Tribal Force, what I can see, at least from uh, first glance, just looking at some of the art. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah so, um, I mean, you guys cover the comics, uh, action figures. Uh, John here kind of got into the Migos. Uh, did you continue to collect the Migos? And like, what was your first one and/or favorite one uh, that you remember? First, do, you, do you still collect them? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a whole room full of them over there. <laughs> Sean, I would love to see a picture of that man. Oh my god, it, it's not fun, dude. It's uh, it's where my bedroom should be. <laughs> and I don't have a bed in there, 
because I, I own 14 Eagles from Space 1999, the two-and-a-half-foot Eagles from Mattel. I own 14 of them. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, and, that's, that's so cool. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty ridiculous. And I've got stuff like, you know, Johnny West, uh, the Mark's Johnny West figures, $6 million man, G.I. Joe, the adventure team. Um I've got a whole shelf dedicated to the Hulk, uh, you know, and I've got over 3,000 DVDs in my collection. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, and it goes from the from the 1930s to current. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an avid collector. I'm an avid, you know, I go to the comic shop every Wednesday. I've got my comics are just stacked up almost to the ceiling uh, in the plastic boxes. So yeah, it's pretty bad. Oh, that's 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 so awesome to hear. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Gene? A fan of collectibles, action figures, or statues, anything like that? Yeah, you know, it's um, it's interesting. I I'm more in the art book scene. Um, you know, collecting uh, guys' collection of and career of work. So I have probably close to nine hundred, I guess, different Whoa. various art books from various people. Um, you know, my wife's going to kill me, but you know, if this thing was gone, you'd see, I'm kind of sitting in a library of a bunch of them that are here. And then I have a studio, uh, at the, you know, studio headquarters, there's a bunch there as well. Um, so yeah, I have a lot of art books from just odd quirky people, crumb and, um, you know, the, the, the Calvin and Hobbes, uh, origins and all that stuff. And, uh, I, I love them. I, I, I think it's a great way to see people's mindset and, and artists creators mindset as they've kind of developed their craft uh, because a lot of those you get like some early on sketches and some little doodles and stuff and that's where you kind of really see the mind working and mm -hmm. i've always been fascinated by that how you know how creation works with each with everybody so um that that's kind of where i am i mean i also have you know i don't know probably five or six hundred pop dolls and um wow yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, don't tell my wife that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, there's there's that, and there's um, uh, comics. I still collect regularly. I'm I'm a huge Spawn fan. Um, I I think what Todd's done is just amazing, and um, probably yeah, it's probably my favorite series ever. I think uh, just the the various dimensions and everything that he went with it, yes, you know, sir. alongside uh, you know all of Kirby's stuff, um, and. Um, yeah, and I think honestly, one of the things that um, uh, what I love finding is other people's stuff. So I know John is like probably the biggest Conan fan I've ever met. You know? Oh and man, him and Jade got a rare Conan, and and it's available or something like that. I'll just grab it, you know. And he knows, you know, when he comes to the, you know, see me at the con, I'll probably have one or two Conan things for him. Because <laughs> you know, it's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I love I love other people's passion for it too. I mean, that's a great connection point for. You know, when, when people say, hey, you know, what do you like? You know, it's like, well, I actually collect samurai, you know, comic books about samurais. doesn't matter which publisher or anything. So I have a bunch of series of random, you know, creators from, you know, ages, you know, from uh, uh, Cub and what you call it to, uh, you know, the samurai one by um, Richard Gordano and, and all those guys. And, you know, I, that's just my thing, you know, so uh, tons of different little quirks here and there but I, I do like my you know my specific genres of samurais and um a lot of uh 
Yeah, the spawn stuff too. So yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, I gotta I gotta show this off real quick. All right. Oh, hold on. Let me give you the uh, main screen. Six point five. <laughs> Whoa, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. So so this isn't an original. It's what they call a golden record. Uh, Spider Man. It was released in '65, a couple of years after the original. But these are even, they're getting hard to find. So I found it at a decent price. But this is probably the closest I'll get to owning the original. <laughs> that, that's awesome. Yeah. That, that's, that's truly awesome. Is that like one of your uh, standout pieces from your collection right there? Oh, oh yeah. That, yeah. No, definitely. I, 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 I used reservation dog money on that. <laughs> and, uh, I got a little crazy and I was like, what the hell? You only live once. <laughs> that's, that's what I was going to say. You definitely need to, you know, spoil yourself every once in a while. That's for sure. Yeah. Every now and then. I don't have a girlfriend, so I didn't have to explain myself to anyone. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I'm going to have to talk to my wife and be like, Hey, I'm tired of having to explain myself. <laughs> yeah, that's right, baby. Next time you guys see me, I'm going to have a black eye. <laughs> uh, the next thing would be animation. So it doesn't uh, only pertain to traditional uh, Japanese anime, uh, but I'm talking about all styles of animation, whether it be American, uh, Japanese, uh, cartoons. Uh, John, you know, are you into that or were you into it at one point? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, Saturday morning cartoons, watching Tarzan and you know, Scooby-Doo and all that stuff. And I was raised on that. And then when I discovered Ninja Scroll, I lost my mind. I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And, you know, that got me into the Japanimation and uh, just, uh, you know, um, Battle of the Planets. Yes. Uh, and always, always wondering why we couldn't have that kind of quality in American animation. Exactly. Uh, you know, I was I was like I, I liked American animation, but Japanese animation was just above and beyond. And I was like, man, we need to do that stuff here with our stuff. <laughs> for sure. Just they were way ahead of the curve, like yeah. for decades. I'm I feel like we're barely now competing yeah. with them. <laughs> uh what about you, Gene? Yeah, same. Um uh, Saturday morning Looney Tunes. Uh so um, Chuck Jones, I, I'm in Southern California, and he was down you know, four miles from my house, you know, his studio and everything, and, and all, now all the collectible studios and everything. So, you know, all the Bugs Bunny stuff, all the, you know, all of that, like, you know, that's that was church. You couldn't miss that, you know. Absolutely. And then when Voltron came out, it was blew my mind, you know, and then the different, you know, variations of Voltron. I'm like, what? There's lions, and now there's cars, and now there's, you know, that was just amazing. So, um, and I think once we got to, it was at 95 where um, uh, Toy Story came out, you know, I, I thought that was a big, good jump. And at the same time, um, I don't think we're anywhere near what we could be doing with it. You know, there, there's so much good stuff. I think, um, you know, I'll hold my tongue on criticism for some of the stuff that's going on, but uh, I think animation itself, um, I wanted to be, you know, that was my original goal you know, for a lot of my young life. We just, I wanted, I wanted to make cartoons. I have several shows that I've written and everything from that time too, you know, um, 
but uh, animation I think is a, a awesome. It's funny too because I was just at the Comic Con Museum and they have a whole entire animation floor there. I, um, I so love that spot. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it you know coming out of our studio when I first met John back in '96, you know we have about five or six guys, and those, you know, one of those guys is a producer at The Simpsons now, and um, he's directed I think 50, over 50 episodes or something. Oh, uh, sweet. Yeah, so it's um, the the cool thing about living in Southern California is you know you get to kind of know these guys that are working in that industry, and you know, and <laughs> you know, in my case, I have two or three of them that have actually worked for me. So um, it's been cool. It's been cool to see the way they've taken it. You know, I'm a big Family Guy, you know, fan, and uh, as well as you know, I thought Beavis and Butthead was the, one of the most original things ever. So <laughs> it's great. Absolutely. Oh, man. Uh, real quick, just want to uh, call out one of the comments. Uh, Matt, major reaction. He said, Migos are soft enough to where you can make a bed out of them. So <laughs> you're, you're all good. <laughs> you're good there, John. You're sick, <laughs> Matt, but I love you. I, I, I like where you're going with that. <laughs> uh, next thing would be gaming. Uh, so this doesn't only pertain to video games. Uh, it also includes tabletop and all that other stuff. So uh, any and everything for gaming. Uh, John? Yeah, I started out with, uh, yeah, with Dungeons & Dragons when I was about 11. And I was criticizing it. I just thought it was the dumbest thing ever. And this one oh. kid was smart enough to say, well, why are, you, why are you making fun of it if you don't even know what it is? Uh, <laughs> so he can... He convinced me to sit down and play and I was hooked, man. I was hooked. <laughs> and like I had a binder with my character in it. And then we started, we got in trouble in middle school because they took our dice away. So we, oh. we, um, we made holes and pencils on the edges of pencils mm-hmm. and we rolled pencils as dice. Uh, oh. And then the teachers figured out what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> And they were just like, what is your problem? You know, like, uh, but yeah, that was, that was such a huge effect on me was the gaming. And then of course, uh, I grew up in the age of when video games just started coming out, Pac-Man and, you know, Defender and Tetris mm-hmm. and lost my mind when Dragon's Lair came out, lost my mind. Like <laughs> I did school to play that game. Me and a buddy of mine named Joe, we spent... I don't even know how much money we probably could have bought the damn game for as much money as we spent. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm 56 years old and I know about all the new games coming out. My, my grandson is shocked that I know about all these new cool games. And uh, you know, all he has to do is like, Tata, I want this game and I'll go get it. <laughs> <laughs> my dog always comes and says hello whenever I'm, uh, recording i don't know why it's like he knows when he sees yeah. me over here he comes oh. over here and he runs up and he's like i gotta come say hi and he usually ends yeah. up stealing the show so hi like Lizzie. what's more important than me yeah, yeah exa- <laughs> exactly i've got four of them back here if you want one <laughs> hey s- send them over this is a chihuahua pug mix so oh, wow. That's a little awesome. chunky little chunky boy uh what about you gene uh, same, actually, uh, you know, uh, Dungeons and Dragons was huge, you know, and, and that, I think just that sparking that animation, I was, of course, I was more interested in drawing the characters than I was playing, you know, um, and I still have, 
ah, probably maybe about a hundred of the metal uh, miniatures painted for Dungeons and Dragons. Um, yeah, it's my mom's a hoarder, so she has everything I've ever done ever. Um, so th they'll come up someday, you know, they're, they're in the attic somewhere, but, um, and then the, I think the, the video games with the, you know, Tecmo Bowl and, um, man, what was the other one? Oh, um, Dragon's Lair, but things like Joust and things, you know, oh, those man. are just games, man. Those are just awesome games. Um, and then as we went into like the, you know, the, uh, Madden playing a lot of Madden. Uh, throughout college and whatnot. Um, it's funny, too, because I kind of drifted away from games, but I couldn't really get back, you know, couldn't get too far because a lot of my, you know, as a designer and artist and illustrator, I was constantly designing boxes and designing, you know, um, characters, sometimes environments and stuff like that before there were studios or, you know, entire campuses now that actually mm -hmm. produce games. So we were, you know, my studio would get called and said, hey, we, you know, we need a box cover for, um, you know, Quest or um, was it uh, the one called um, Diablo? We did the first box for Diablo. Um, right. And uh, then. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So the, and here's something you guys are going to laugh at. Uh, two months ago, I recorded voiceover for a new game that's going to come out. Starring Darnie Glover, Kim Basinger, Danny Trejo. Uh, it's called Crime Boss. It's centered in Miami. I Ooh. do all the voices of Danny Trejo's gang members. Oh, shit. <laughs> I play about nine Mexicans and in, in, in Puerto Ricans. <laughs> so there's like, when somebody is mad, I was like, oh, they. <laughs> you know, I'm doing all those lines and everything. So I'm apparently I have like the most coverage in, in the entire game because most of the time you're you know, going around fighting the Hispanic or, you know, Latino gang members that is Danny Trejo's gang. And eventually they all become heroes and everything. But um, yeah, so uh, I just cool. did like, like a five hour um, voiceover session, you know, a few, two months ago for the entire game. And they're actually, the game's just be out uh, March 24th, I think. So. Oh, a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. So I, I, I'm supposed to be getting clips like any day now of, of me yelling at people. <laughs> <laughs> as your characters? Yeah. I play a couple <laughs> Asian guys and a couple, uh, you know, butlers as well. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about range. Yeah. They go, can you do it? Can you do an Asian voice? I'm like, the only one I got, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Hong from um, Big Trouble Little China. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's the only voice I had for them. They're just like, perfect, do that. <laughs> He's a one-stop shot. Uh, Rolando said, uh, have you ever seen the animated movie Turok, Son of Stone? I know the original com comics are problematic, but I like the film. I have not. I've heard of it, and people keep telling me to watch it, but I will. It's on my list. <laughs> Uh, and then Matt over here is saying that you're going to have to come play D&D &D with us because we do run a D&D &D campaign. However, it's been a little mm. while since we playing, played. Uh, and Matt, uh, major reaction, he's actually our DM. He's our dungeon master. Oh. So, yeah. We love him, but we also hate him. So, <laughs> As most DMs, you know, come on. It's a love-hate thing. <laughs> he, does, he does an amazing job, and he does voices and all that stuff. He really gets, oh, wow. gets us into it. Nice. Yeah. 
So yeah, uh, Matt's also saying Gene, that's awesome with the voices. Uh, Michael Madsen is in the game, right? Uh, that's what he's asking about the crime bosses one. Yes, I think he is. I believe he's in that as well. As well. That's awesome. Uh, then we'll go ahead and close out on TVs and movies. Uh, I mean, you guys kind of answered it, but, uh, you know, maybe favorite TV series of all time. And, uh, you know, if you guys got a favorite movie or whatnot. Hmm. TV's tough. Yeah, I mean, TV's tough because, you know, God. <laughs> like, you can't say the one you're not starring in right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just like this. Yeah. Reservation Dogs, well, season one, two, and three. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, it was Star Trek. You know, Star Trek was the one that blew my mind. Uh, and then. Yeah, I, I, Planet of the Apes, the TV series and the movies, you know, obviously um, were big, big in my life. Um, but Star Trek, Star Trek was the beginning of sci-fi for me, I think. Live long and prosper. Okay. Yeah. Battlestar Galactica. That was, that oh, was yeah. my, yeah, I, I, that was great. We had all the toys, um, but it was just, I liked it. For the same reason, I, I also love Star Trek and, you know, fell in love with Star Wars and everything. Is that another world, another galaxy, another set of, you know, uh, rules going on. Um, and they tried to keep out the, uh, you know, the, the same sort of problems that kind of kept crepping into the Star Trek series. It was more like this, this otherworldly type thing. So I always thought that was cool. And, you know, they always did it on a limited budget, too. So I thought they, they did a good job with just kind of keeping me attuned to that. Uh, movies is challenging. You know, there's always uh, I was playing this dinner game the other day. I said, OK, make your life in three movies. And it's like, well, you know, two of them are very much my favorite. But I think, honestly, the Matrix would probably the Matrix series. So that's what three, almost four now. Um, it would be probably my favorite movie. Uh, but if it was a single film, I'd, I honestly, and you're gonna you're gonna laugh at me, it would be um, uh, the Last Samurai, which I thought was just you know I thought it was brilliant and did a good job for what it was, and you know they told a decent story, and and I thought all the acting and especially the the stunts and everything were great because it wasn't a lot you know there's not a lot you can do with you know special effects you can do with what they had, so a lot of it was just either sped up motion or just really good stuntmen, so. I'm starting to think you like Samurais or something. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I got a new title coming out. <laughs> right. Uh, Matt said, I guess I don't do as many voices as Gene, apparently. <laughs> and then just one quick question from the chat. Uh, what roles slash projects are you most proud of? Uh, this is for both of you guys. Roles? Like in movies and TV? I'm gu I'm guessing it says what roles uh, slash projects. Um, well, I mean, obviously, Reservation Dogs because it's so ground ground setting. You know that it was the first time I got to play a positive role model, a good dad, uh, and it was something that was very similar to my life because I I was a single father. I raised a daughter on my own. And uh, I put my whole life into it. You know, I walked away from Hollywood in the early 90s to come back to Tucson to raise my daughter. I got custody of her when she was five. 
and I couldn't raise her in LA, you know, all our family was here and, you know, being a single dad with a girl, which I knew nothing about. Um, so yeah, reservation dogs is probably one of my proudest moments. Um, just because of what it's done and the effect that it's had on native fathers. And, you know, I've had native fathers contact me and, you know, uh, people who have lost their dads, they're now gone, but their dads were great fathers. And they said, you remind me of that, you know, my dad. And uh, it was pretty profound, you know, to hear that. So yeah, that reservation docs. That's awesome. Gene, what about you? a role or project that you're part of? Um, it's funny. If you would have asked me this about a year and a half ago, I, I would still say, you know, the, the Tribal Force book that we worked on back in 96 is, is one of my favorites. Um, soon after that, I actually got, uh, I was uh, Eminem's webmaster for a bit, and I produced the um, Slim Shady World uh, animated uh, series that was on um, on the web when, it, when Flash first came out. And we won uh, uh, Entertainment Weekly site of the year for 2020, which at that time you could actually count how many websites there were, you know, and, and w how many websites were coming up. Uh, so it was a good, uh, pretty cool thing to be a part of. Um, and yeah, the only other project I would say would probably be teaching. You know, I taught for 10 years at the University of Redlands. And oh, that's cool. Yeah, and I love teaching. I, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the process and seeing people come alive and all of a sudden that you know that, that spark come up in their eyes. So um, I hope to go back someday and and, and teach um, uh, teach fine art and teach as well you know graphic design as well as storytelling and creativity. Yeah, that's excellent, man. Matt said Reservation Dogs is a great series. I would be super proud to be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we all love that show here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, so, you know, pretty much the main reason why everyone came here tonight, uh, besides from just, you know, seeing, you know, you guys and hearing from you guys, uh, there's a little something, something uh, you guys got cooking up called Travel Force. It's a comic. It's a Kickstarter. Um, I'm going to go ahead and show off uh, the site. So here goes the Kickstarter site right here. Um, and if it's okay, I'm going to go ahead and uh, play the trick. Oh, hold on. Let's see. Is this going to respond or is it not going to respond? Let's see. Oh, there we go. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and play the trailer for everybody. I'm going to turn it down. Just don't want to be too loud and blow out anyone's eardrums. Uh, my name is John Proudstar. I am the writer and creator of Tribal Force. And Tribal Force is the first all-native superhero comic book in the history of the United States. Uh, Tribal Force was inducted into the Smithsonian Institute for being the first all-native superhero comic book. The Kickstarter that we're doing right now, the funds that we're trying to raise, uh, is predominantly for production. It's to pay the artists that are working on the book. The goal is to create native superheroes for kids uh, and to expose the world to our culture. Yeah. In 1996, I had the opportunity to produce and, and work creatively on the original Tribal Force. Uh, back then, we were just a bunch of kids that were just excited to produce something. And uh, we had this awesome creation called Tribal Force based on Native American traditions and heroes. And it was so original and so gripping. We just need your support. 
We're ready to give you the heroes and the stories and especially the art. Chris Williams is an amazing artist. I cannot believe I get to work on his uh, incredibly unique style and what he's brought to Tribal Force uh, this time around is just amazing. The, the art is going to be incredible. The story is incredible and uh, we're in for a ride. Alrighty, folks, if you guys haven't watched it, there you go. Um, yeah, I was going to say you guys are just about uh, at 60%. So there's 24 days left for the Kickstarter. You guys are at 3856 out of the 6500, uh, which I feel like it, that's uh, – I've seen other Kickstarters ask for more. I'm just, I'm just like, wow, that's not too bad at all. That's not uh, terrible. And I'm glad that you guys are at 60%. I'm hoping with this interview and what everybody heard from you guys and is going to see – uh, we could get you fully funded, uh, hopefully within the next couple of days or so. Um, so me and Christian and the rest of the team will definitely put a lot more uh, word out and doing promotional. So I'm just going to go over some of the stuff with you guys. Is that all right? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. So Tribal Force, you get the main characters here. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, the characters starting from the top? Uh, yeah, from the top, uh, the four-armed guy is Little Bighorn. He's Hunk Papa Sue, and he was born with uh, fetal alcohol effects, so he can't speak. Uh, but he's given these powers, and uh, a, a lot of my characters reflect. I worked with survivors of child molestation and violent youth offenders for 30-some years of my life. So a lot of these characters emulate some of the kids that I knew. And, you know, there was this kid who was just super, super violent, you know, and who I based Little Bighorn off of. And the next one would be Nita. She's a little girl who the whole story revolves around. She's uh, a character from my tribe, Yaki, and she's also Navajo. And uh, she's a survivor of child molestation. Uh, it had always been my goal to create a character for young girls who had gone through this. Uh, one year on the Bosco Yaki Reservation, we had, or and the Thana Autumn Reservation out here, we had seven suicides. Um, all and it all went back to these were kids who had experienced molestation in their lifetime. And uh, you know, I just I wanted to do something to start battling this. You know, to start educating kids and hopefully create a hero for them that would give them options other than suicide. So hopefully Nita will be that character for these young people. Um, the next one is uh, the guy in the Jaguar suit. His name is Jaguar Knight. He's actually a Jaguar Knight from you know, like 500 years ago. Uh, I don't want to give away too much about him because he's kind of our mystery Wolverine type character. <laughs> but he's awesome. I love him. And he only appears at night uh, just like the Jaguar Knights. The original ones would only fight at night. So he only shows up, you know, as soon as the sun comes down. And the next one is Thunder Eagle, my boy. Uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he's a Native American god. Uh, you know, he's a warrior spirit. And the symbol on his chest is from the Paiute medicine man, Waboka. It's from the ghost dance. Um, and then right under him is Adi, which is his brother. And he's from the Kwakutl tribe and has no memory of being a god. They, they had to go find him. He was stealing cars in Anchorage, Alaska. And, uh, 
you know, basically Thunder Eagle had to kind of tell him who he was and what he is, which he doesn't have a lot of faith in it. He's a very, you know, he was, he lived on the streets for a real long time and has no recollection of being a God, a, a demigod or anything like that. So it's this unique family that's slowly coming together that Thunder Eagle's trying to train these, these individuals on how to utilize their powers. Oh man. I, I just got to say real quick um, before anybody else says any, anything, but with Nita, um, man, that's extremely touching. Uh, you gave me freaking chills. Just no, I'm not trying to BS you, not trying to blow smoke, you know, anything like that. Just that's beautiful. I, yeah. I just got to say that, that that's honestly beautiful and it, and it moves me seriously. Yeah. So, yeah. It, the whole, oh, I'm sorry. Just the whole, just from the beginning, it just, it's mm -hmm. so beautiful and it's moving, man. I, I'm really enjoying it. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's been a huge part of my life working with uh, survivors. And at one point, I mean, I did it for 30 some years and it, you know, I had to leave because I was losing my mind. And there was this part of me that didn't, didn't want to. Um, so, you know, now that I'm doing what I want to do, I still want to reach out to that community. I want to be able, I want to fight this. I think we can beat it in our life. You know, I think uh, it's, it's all about talking, you know, beginning the conversations and having people come out and, ha and giving kids and children and even adults who have never been able to say, hey, this happened to me. Um, I think it's powerful to create those avenues for them. And until we start talking about it, a lot of people are going to keep it secret, you know, so hopefully, Absolutely. hopefully this helps somebody, you know, hopefully. I'm, I'm thinking it will. I'm definitely thinking it will. Uh, but, man, uh, I love the artwork. I love the character designs. Um, I Let me see. I, I don't know. Is anyone asking anything? Uh, we'll get into that stuff in a minute. Uh, I just want us to focus on the Kickstarter guys. There's amazing okay, here we go. Matt, this is an amazing concept. Props to you, John, for helping those kids. Um, I just wanted to make sure nobody else asked it. Uh, I don't know if you guys are thinking about action figures, but man, I'm just saying, if you guys ever did make some action figures, sign me up, take all my money, and yeah. I'm all about them. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> that's a, that's another thing that we need. That we need also is more uh, native representation in the action figure line as well. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, our people. We, we, our stories, our heroes were alive thousands of years before everyone else. Mm -hmm. Our gods came down and lived amongst us. And those stories are rich in all our cultures. There's 753 independent native tribes in the United States of America. This doesn't even include Canada. And every mm -hmm. tribe has a story about their gods, you know, and, um, it's important that we know those stories and it's important that our children start realizing that before Hercules, before, you know, all these other heroes that came out, that those stories were taken from our people, the things that happened out here as the gods walked, walked amongst us. A lot of those stories were pilfered from us and utilized in other, other people's stories. So once our children start to realize uh, how important our stories are to the fabric of everything, uh, I think that's going to build a lot of pride, you know, within our own kids. Just 
to say a little piece from my end, I'm trying to rediscover my, my roots. Um, I don't really know a whole lot. Uh, I actually found out that my parents, my grandparents, all them, they kind of lost their traditions and uh, don't really know our, our, our backstory and stuff like that. So I'm slowly, along with my wife, we're trying to figure out those roots and, you know, give, give me a little sense of who and what I am a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's like easy to lose it over the generations. Okay. And uh, I, I, I feel like, you know, like I said, my, my grandparents, my parents, they didn't pass it along. I want to be able to pass that along to my children. So that's why I'm trying to put forth the effort now to rediscovering it. Yeah. Oh, your grandparents came from that generation where they had to hide it. You know, it was a matter of survival. 100%. That's, that's what it was. Yep. Yeah. In Tucson, it was, you know, and in the West, if they saw more than three Native Americans congregating, uh, soldiers were ordered to shoot first and ask questions later. And you natives weren't even allowed in places. Uh, there was signs up that said uh, no dogs or Indians allowed. So we didn't even have citizenship. We didn't even have we weren't even treated on a human level. Um, you know, I see old photos where it says, oh, there's a water fountain for black people. There were no water fountains for Indians. Uh, there were no places to sit in the theater for Native Americans. We were not allowed. We we stayed away from town because it was too dangerous for us. So, yeah, we all have those stories. Anybody that has a Latino background, you know, it's that story where they, they had to shed their language, whether you were Mexican or Indian you had to hide that stuff. And if you were, if you were born fair skin, you were lucky because you could walk amongst everyone else and not, you know, they had to kind of dig into your history to figure out like, Oh, they're part Mexican or Indian or what have you. Yeah. Sorry. Got me on my soapbox. <laughs> no, no. Hey, John, it's, it's all good. I mean, honestly, like uh, me and Christian talk about this stuff because uh, I mean, me and Christian are kind of like on the same thing of trying to, uh, you know just rediscover our roots and stuff like that and talking about the native re representation and yeah. all that stuff because it's it's definitely lacking it, it, it truly honestly is um and you know just to piggyback on what you said earlier it starts with the talking about it yeah. a lot of people don't want to especially like the the older people like my grandparents they don't they don't want to talk about that type of stuff just because it wasn't normalized it's oh you're weak you know, if you show emotion or, or talk about that stuff. And it's like, no, you could get the strength from it. You could definitely find power in that because it's not it's not holding you back. It's not anything to be ashamed of. You could definitely find power in it. That's just how I feel. Yeah. Well, and, and especially with the Latino community, a lot of them are understanding that, you know, Latino and indígenas, it's the same thing. You know, mm -hmm. there is no separation with Mexican and Indian. We are one and the same. It was Absolutely. the United States who put that border down and all of a sudden our brothers, our sisters, our cousins were foreigners, you know, yeah. like we were Americans and they're foreigners now. Yep. Uh, that's not true. Those are our brothers and sisters. And if you, if you have Latino blood in you, you have Indian blood, you have your, your indigeno, you're indigenous to this country. Yes. Absolutely. 
Uh, clap it up for you. <laughs> uh, real quick, Rolando Veneza, he said, uh, what are your inspirations and influences behind Tribal Force? Uh, other one of you guys want to take that on? Gene, go ahead, because I talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think I identify with what you're talking about, Gil, in the um, I- I've been on a a quest, I guess, for the past five or six years now of reconnecting and finding my own roots. You know, I've been a fine artist uh, for 20 years. I have my own gallery. I've shown in galleries across the country. Um, and the more and more I've dug into myself to produce the work I produce, uh, the more I kept finding this empty spot. Where does this root live? Where does this root come from? Where does, you know, and there was always a wall. And I was, you know, I'd go to uh, my parents or grandparents and there would be just so much that was given out. But then going to my extended family, all of a sudden, you know, discovering that my, you know, my great grandparents came here in 1909. Uh, they walked 2,200 miles from Durango, Mexico to get here uh, and then help establish one of the, you know, uh, prominent um, immigrant communities here in, you know, Orange County, which is the same a block from where my current studio is, you know, and then uh, and then also. Uh, doing my own DNA test, you know, finding out that I'm 64% Native North American or Native to the Americas. You know, primarily I'm Patagonian. Who knew, you know? But uh, the next one down would be uh, the, what I am most is Aztec. And then I get into um, Aleutian and, you know, uh, Northern Woodlands and Sonoran Desert. All these are part of the things that make me up. So, uh what inspires me, honestly, I think it's just part of this journey that I love that John has kind of, I don't want to say shortcutted, but had brought together a lot of the things that I was looking for, you know, not only in comics, pop culture and heroes, but then also ancient wisdom. You know, once you guys start reading the book and start seeing uh, where choices and decisions and their backgrounds and how what drives this group what drives this team to do what they're doing you know you start really feeling ah this is this is grounding this is you know who i am and this is part of history that was kept hidden for so long you know and you know and it it just feels more home to me than anything so as far as inspiration it's like uh, i get to color a bunch a lot of it you know and, and probably be splitting coloring towards as we move forward as we get more busy uh, but uh, in coloring it, you know, I've actually gotten to reconnect with a lot of the, you know, the Lakota and Nakota um, color palettes and the Aztec color palettes, you know, and, and figuring out what uh, patterns that are traditional, which are sacred, what, you know, what shouldn't I use? What should I use? You know, out of pure respect and, and holding things at a level that makes it um, respectable and honorable to our culture. You know, to the various cultures involved, to the various tribes and to the various, you know, uh, ancestors. So it's been um, for me, it's, you know, it's, I feel like we're just starting the journey because uh, the more story that I get put in front of me, it's like, oh, I got to figure out, you know, what that is. I got to figure out, you know, how to cut co- what color that is or what, you know, how what time of day or what the clouds would look like there, you know. So it's been uh, really, really cool. You know, that that's inspiration enough because as I'm unfurling this, I'm also discovering my own culture. 
That that's going to be awesome and honestly like pretty gratifying I'd say like <laughs> that you're discovering all this uh and pretty awesome I, I I respect and love that you're drawing from real world uh the colors and looking up the palettes and that's 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 awesome I love that yeah yeah uh, go ahead go, oh no no I was just gonna say uh this is kind of like what uh, John ran down for us, the introduction. The America's first all-native superhero comic uh, has returned. So I was not, until I read this and you guys were talking about it, I did not know that there was a comic back in 96, uh, which I'm going to have to go track down now uh, on eBay or something like that. I'll find a way to get it. Um, but that was the main thing, like when Christian sent it to me, I was just like, I, I was like, I need, like, yes, I, I, I want to, I want to back this. Let's spread the word and let me reach out to these guys because I would love to talk to them. So. Yeah, you know, it, um, back in '96, uh, so coming out of college, I graduated in '93, um, went to work for a studio for like all of four months, and then said, "You know what? I'm, I want to get in comic books. I know Photoshop is going to be the thing," and I got into doing that, and then I taught a couple other people to do it put a studio together and had about five or six guys just, you know, doing the whole night shift thing. Cause you're 20 at the time, 21 at the time, and you can stay up and, you know, for seven days straight and <laughs> just keep going. And, and that's what we did. And so we were out looking for projects and, and um, we had a, a couple groups hire us to, to kind of be their in-house uh, production department. And Mystic Comics was one of them. And they asked me to kind of be the creative overseer of that. And I said, sure, why not? And um, we had a, a couple books come through us that were really great. Uh, one called Arachnus uh, by the Ortiz brothers. And, and then um, Tribal Force, we met John at uh, San Diego. And uh, it was just, it, it blew my mind because, you know, at that time I wasn't really looking for my roots. I wasn't really, you know, thing. But when it came around, like, oh, this is something. This, you know, and I think honestly, I would probably look at that point when that came by and like, that's where I, that's the kind of voice or that's the kind of story I want to be a part of, you know, cause I, I can relate. And so, you know, we go through the whole production and everything. And then all of a sudden, you know, as soon as it really, as soon as it came out, I don't, I, you know, it's 25 years ago, but I want to say probably a couple months after it came out, you know, everything was gone, you know, the, the companies were gone and everything. And so we had to scramble and just, disassemble my own studio and we went to work into the fashion district and everything because we had to make a living you know uh we were on the back end bubble of what was the you know the image you know uh invention and the 90 late 90s just turned out to be terrible for comics <laughs> yeah you know kind of oversaturation kind of right yeah and uh so it was unfortunate and from then i'll let john pick up the story because uh I, I was bummed I, you know he he was gone my, my own studio was gone and now I was, you know, everyone was out in the wind and go ahead, John. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a nightmare um, because I had met with other publishers and, you know, it was just a string of people promising me this and that and blowing smoke. And, you know, I had learned one good thing uh, which was from our original attorney was, you know, to always make sure that I walk away with the rights. So no matter who I dealt with, that was the one thing I would always demand is, well, if this relationship ever fails, 
I walk away with my rights. You don't own anything. So luckily I was able to hold on to that over the years, but it was just a menagerie of horrible, horrible individuals. And uh, a lot of them I think meant well, um, but they didn't know what they were doing. And then when it came time to me, for me to write the stories and I would write about stuff. And if I mentioned child molestation, survivors or fetal alcohol syndrome, they would freak out. They would be like, they didn't understand what our people had gone through. And it's too hard to talk about for them because it points a finger at them, at their people, at their country. So they would always say, can you write that story later? Or we'll, 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 we'll deal with that later. And they didn't want Nita to be a survivor of child molestation or they didn't want me to talk about these things. And I would walk away. And after a while, it got so ridiculous. I, my rep, you know, I, I told I would tell him, tell them to stop offering me money because it starts it's pissing me off. They're not going to buy me out of this. Yeah. And he would tell him that was the first thing he goes, whatever you do, do not offer him a lot of money to not write those stories. And that was the first thing they do. And I would just walk and I, I was like, I don't care about money. I'm not I mean, I would love to make money but not at the cost of not being able to write about these subjects, uh, survivors and, you know, fetal alcohol syndrome, because without that, it doesn't have a heart. It doesn't have a purpose. It's just, you know, uh, native American X-Men. Anyone can do that. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want tribal force to be that. I want definitely have an element of that, but I, the heart yeah. of it has to deal with these issues. Yeah, I, I I respect that. I yeah. I honestly do respect that, and and that, that's awesome that you're not willing to sacrifice, you know, what you want, your vision, um, for for that. And I appreciate that that you're not going to censor yourself and the story that you want to tell. Yeah, uh, I lost a lot of girlfriends because <laughs> <laughs> uh, they weren't very happy when I turned down money, lots of money. <laughs> <laughs> Like, baby, just get in my 05 Camry and be quiet. <laughs> See? Hey, there you go. Got to be practical, man. Got to be practical. Yep. <laughs> Talking about X-Men, uh, I love this homage. This this is uh, cover A that's being offered. Um, that's, you know, it's an homage to, uh, what is it, uh, Future Past, right? Days, days of Future Past. Days, days of Future Past. There we go. Yeah. There we go. That and was like I, a seminal book for me. It, I was in middle school when that first came out. That was the first X-Men book I ever read. Was uh, it? This kid, yeah, this kid recommended it to me, Gilbert, and because I was all Spider-Man, hey. Hulk, you know. And uh, he said, read this, just read it. And, man, it, it blew my mind. It was like, I've never done drugs, but I imagine if I did heroin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's what it, it was like. My Sergeant Pepper's, you know, the first time I heard Sergeant Pepper's um, album, uh, it just blew my mind because it dealt with a, you know, an alternate universe and seeing the graves of superheroes that I've been following all my life and this new weird X Men was just so damn weird, uh, <laughs> and the characters were weird and. You know, it's like the first time you eat sushi, you know, it's like, you're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I, I got to say, for, uh, for the A cover, I really do love it. 
I, I, I'm digging this. I'm loving the homage. Um, so 27 yeah, pages brilliant. is what you guys are looking for, right, for the first issue? Oh, yeah. what was it? I'm sorry. I said that's Chris Williams' art right there. For the for the A? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here goes some interior uh, interiors, kind of like some of the panels, just showing off a little bit of it. And then we get our uh, Nita front and center. Sneak peek page. And you get to see Thunder Eagle. And I say right off the bat, I love, I love this artwork right here with the uh, oh, yeah. with those with the wolves. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I love how they look. I'm gonna say I really do dig that. Yeah, just beautiful. Who did the uh, inner internal art? That's Chris Williams as well. Oh, Chris Williams as well. Okay, yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's great. Yeah. Uh, B cover. I, I got to say, I'm a sucker for chibi stuff too, like yeah, small, cute, squishy it. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. really cool. I like it. Yeah, Scott Sirag actually draws uh, my uh, personal comic, uh, Downtown, which is the first comic that Machine uh, published. And um, But his chibi art is really, you know, he, he's he's – Scotty Young level uh, when it comes to that. And uh, we were sitting there talking and um, some of the first pages of Tribal Force had come over and he had sketched a little uh, Jaguar Knight, almost just like that, like, as we were talking. I'm like, dude, you, we've got to do a GB cover. <laughs> and then he comes back with this the next week. I'm like, oh my God, it's, it's crazy. And so we were just all excited and everything and then we start designing figures and everything it's like okay wait wait we gotta get the book done first <laughs> it's, it's funny because these these two they look cute but you know that they will kill you they'll rip you to shreds <laughs> it's like, yeah like these ones they're, they're cute and then you think like oh it's not that bad but with these it's like oh you're you're screwed you're, you're definitely screwed <laughs> uh the c cover this definitely reminds me of uh you know, image like a, like an image cover right here with uh, this one. Like it, it kind of reminds me of like the Spawn. How like Spawn had a couple that were like some type of circular design, and then there was like stuff going on. So uh, that's kind of like what I'm getting there. Is like the uh, image thing. I don't know if that's what the inspiration was, but we're no, it's first actually uh, it's actually Fantastic Four. Uh, I took that oh, idea okay. uh, from you oh, know, the world. Thing. Okay, it would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I wanted something that was reflective of that, of that homage to such a great group like the FF. And just whenever I saw that FF cover, it, it was just so inspirational. And it's so, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, and I said, I've got to see Tribal Force like that. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and then the D cover... Uh, <laughs> me and Gene, me and Gene were talking about this. This is my personal favorite. I'm a little biased. I'm a huge fan of uh, Jesse, Jesse Hernandez, Urban Azteca. Um, if you know him, you know him, Urban Aztec. He's a Bay Area native, and man, such a beautiful cover. Yeah, I couldn't believe he agreed to do it. Like I met him, and he was super cool. And it was so I was a little nervous broaching that, you know, like. 
you know, we, you know, when you meet people and you're, oh, we got to work together, we got to do something. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But when it comes to everybody brass says that. Act, yeah, <laughs> and you got to ask, like, hey, we want you to do this. And long story short, he did it, man. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And um, we also had, there was another artist. Uh, can I mention his name, Gene? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it would it would be uh, an, an honor to to mention his name that we yeah I to... I contacted Jason Pearson and uh, basically pitched it and said, "Would you do a cover? You're you're like my favorite artist, dude." And he was he was all for it. And he sent me some sketches, some ideas, uh, and then uh, I contacted him in November, I believe. And then I hadn't spoken to him since. And, you know, I was just given, I wanted to lay, I didn't want to be a pain in his ass because I know he had a lot of commissions and stuff. And then one day, uh, my brother and I, my brother was asking about him. And I'm like, you know what? I should contact him. And then two hours later, a friend of mine contacted me saying Jason Pearson had passed. Oh, and, man. Yeah. And I was just devastated. Because he was he was a cool he was cool to me. I know he was a little controversial in his opinions and everything, but he loved tribal force. He loved the idea of tribal force, and uh, you know, and it just broke my heart that what had happened to him. Because you know, he's a comic guy. You don't yeah. I don't know. And I and I and body bags was just ridiculously good. Just ridiculous, and all his stuff. All his stuff was just amazing. Man, that that's uh, a sad to hear, man. And right when you were reaching out, nonetheless, that's wow. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, just real quick, we got a couple comments. Uh, maybe save that one. Uh, thank you for fighting to keep the rights to Tribal Force uh, and for keeping this book alive. Oh, thank you. Uh, my wife just brought me some food. Thank you, babe. Appreciate it. Love you. Um, <laughs> sorry about that, guys. Um, uh, I don't know if this will give anything away. Rolando is asking, uh, what was the process for creating the villains in Tribal Force? I don't know if you guys will be giving anything away if you guys answer that. If if it'll spoil anything, uh, you guys don't have to answer it, but if you could give something. No, I, I like writing stories of circumstance. Not necessarily, There may not be clear-cut villains. The situation is the villain. And mm -hmm. sometimes it pits good people against one another. And sometimes there are villains. Um, you know, and it's like history. Like, well, you know, we have heroes uh, or characters called Buffalo Soldiers who are based after the actual Buffalo Soldiers from the cavalry times. Um and you can look at them and say, were they horrible people because they hunted down natives? Yeah, they were. But when you look at things from their perspective, that they were slaves taken from their country and utilized in this country and given the opportunity to have a job and have a little bit of equality, very little. But for them, that was everything, you know, to serve, to serve this country and to be able to feed their families and everything. And they pitted these two, you know, Africans and Native Americans against one another because the regular forces couldn't handle it. They were primarily used against the Apache and the Apache Geronimo, he was running circles around the regular cavalry. And that's why they brought the Buffalo soldiers in because they were stronger, faster than the regular uh, white cavalry. 
Um, so it, it was that situation that was the enemy that made these two people combat each other. And so I'll write, I like writing stories like that where you're like, holy crap, you know, who do I cheer, cheer for here? You know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so the different tiers, we got, uh, you know, the, the first tier pledge $5 to get the PDF version. Um, you, you get it digitally. Um I'm not a huge fan of this, but hey, for other people, if you guys, you know, don't like the physical media, I'm a sucker for physical media. I love to have the Blu-rays, DVDs, the comics, everything. I love to have it. I love to look at it. It's beautiful. Uh, if this is all you guys could back, at least do that. But I please urge you to back f- physical. Please, guys, try to try to get the physical media in your hands. So for Pledge A, I mean Pledge um or the second tier, uh, but Pledge A, it's $10. You get the uh, first cover, cover A, issue number one. Um, pledge two, or uh, Pledge B, right? Yeah, Pledge B. I don't know if I'm saying this properly. But uh, third tier, Pledge B, would be everything with B, and I mean everything with A and B. So you get the, the two covers, correct? Uh, two covers for $18. Um, C, you get A, you get B, and then you get the C. So that'd be the three covers for 25, correct? Okay, making sure. Uh, D, that would be basically like the all in. You get the A, you get the B, you get the C, you get the D. Uh, that's the only way to get the Jesse, uh, the Jesse Hernandez Urban Aztec Plus. What? You're going to throw in a sketch cover for good measure. Man, that is awesome. You guys definitely don't have to do that, but you guys are sweetening the pot. So, I mean, you're basically getting five covers for 45 bucks. That's nine bucks a piece. That's, that's awesome. Definitely is awesome. Uh, then there's the $65 uh, one. It's a signed promo image. So, you get the poster. And then uh, you get everything else that was previously included and mentioned. And it's signed by John Proudstar himself. It's 11 by 17 uh, oh, poster, correct? Yeah. Just skip down a little bit. Uh, then you got F, the 75, so you get everything previously mentioned, plus an eight and a half by 11 uh, sticker sheet, which I got to say, I love things like this, like the little pack-in things of like stickers and things like that. It's definitely something that makes me want to spend a little bit extra to get that. I, I'm a sucker for for uh, for stickers and little tchotchkes and things like that. I love that stuff. Uh, the 95, you get all that plus the cards the trading cards that is that's awesome that is truly awesome um you got the add-ons of the sketch cover the comic the sticker sheet and the trading cards separately if you don't want to do the all in the 95 dollar one uh you can add it to any of the lower level offerings correct yep all right awesome so yeah um i think that's the whole entire we went over everything there So, so after the so after the Kickstarter is done, like if the Kickstarter gets funded and you guys uh, get it funded, so um, what's the plan afterwards? Are you guys gonna have distribution of more like through comic book shops or through you guys' shops, or how are you guys gonna do that? Yeah, that's the plan. You know, we'd like to get this first uh, campaign out. You know, under our belt, see how we go. Uh, 
the goal with any Kickstarter is obviously to raise more than the initial goal. Yes. Uh, and we're hoping that, you know, we can uh, raise enough that can cover some production for a couple of issues, you know, because uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, John, you have about eight issues in your pocket right now. Yeah. Um, that are written stories, you know, kind of full story arcs. Full, so there's yeah. a lot to come. Um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of a challenge, you know, as a publisher, because you want people to understand the value of this particular book, you know, the, the number one in the origins of everything. And then also knowing that there's so much more stories coming behind it, but also you don't want to all, you, you try not to kind of throw it all, you know, give them too much too soon because then there's like, well, wait, there was, it was already there. Why did it, you know, why didn't it not continue printing back in 96 and all this stuff. And the reality is, is, you know, it costs a lot to, you know, it costs a little bit to produce a good book. You know, you can produce sure. a book, but to produce a good quality book, you know, with good art, with good coloring, with good quality, you know, printing and production, it takes a bit, you know, and we don't have, you know, we have a little bit of resources, which are pretty much all gone, but, uh, we don't have those kind of resources on a daily basis. Yeah. And so, which is why we're here on Kickstarter because we need that support. There are other groups out there that have a base that have raised millions, but they also have a particular point of view about life or a particular agenda. And they've never produced any a comic book in their entire life. But yet they say, we're going to do this and people just back up the truck. We say we're going to do this, and what we get is the same thing as if somebody does pass away. We get, oh, yeah, a lot of thoughts and prayers with you. That doesn't produce a ton of stuff. Of course. <laughs> you know, that's not the real world that we live in. So, you know, because we're, it's not like we're trying to make a living. We're just trying to get this story out. We're trying to get, you know, uh, it produced. You yes. know, I get a lot of, um, I get to talk to a lot of great people in the world and, you know, especially in Hollywood, because just because of where I'm located. Uh, and, and and if you just look at the entertainment industry, period, that has to do with pop culture. You know, one of the big things is underrepresentation of minorities that is in, you know, entertainment today. Well, a, a big reason for that is because resources, you know, just straight up, we need production money. You know, straight up, we need support in that way. You can come, you know, and say you support, but if you don't aren't in action about it, then you've just come and made yourself feel better about it. You know, yeah. you can make a lot of other people feel about it if you're actually in action about it, you know, because then it actually gets produced. Then it actually, there's more behind it. But uh, we appreciate the, the, the love and the, the positive words and everybody that we've met along up till now and really for the past 20 years. You know, and now it's time to, okay, I'm tired of talking about underrepresentation. I'm tired of, of not having enough to, you know, produce. But we don't, you know, whether it be the color of our skin or, you know, how we came up in the world or just, you know, we haven't been given those open gates. There's nobody backing up the truck to us. You know, even some of the, you know, more main, what we call mainstream, you know, uh, actors and, and creative people that are in the industry today, 
they don't have it either. You know, I know this. I've talked to them. I've, I've, I've you know, and so there is the, this, you know, the, that line of, okay, we need support from fan base A to, to really come out and, and produce, you know, help us produce this so that we can, uh, you know, bring others along with us. That's the beautiful thing about comics, you know. Travel Force was one issue back in 96 initially. There's actually an indigenous con today because of that. You know, there is a Latino expo, you know, comic expo that has, you know, a, a decent following because of that. There is, you know, so many other things because of what John decided what was, was, was important. And we know that this title and, and, and what we're up to means so much on so many different levels. And so we're excited, you know, not only because it's good art, it's good story and everything like that. We're also excited that what we can create, you know, as far as avenues for other people, you know, uh, straight up jobs, you know, and, and straight up uh, avenues for creativity for uh, a lot of people uh, that have not been, don't easily find that inroad to a creative voice in the pop culture industry. So, uh, and there's a lot of great people out there doing amazing work. A lot of great, you know, minorities and, and people of color. And I'm not taking anything away from them. I'm saying, you know, this is a really ground-based effort. You know, we, we don't have anybody. This isn't, a, you know, John is, you know, an actor. He's been an actor for many years and produced a, a bunch of low-budget movies, <laughs> you know, and a bunch of good stuff. That, you know, and finally getting his due and finally getting his, you know, his the roles that he's deserved for years. And, you know, it's still, we're still living in, you know, the times we are and, and we just need help from people, you know, more than just saying. Yeah. And I, what I, I mean, Reservation Dogs, it, it, was, it was a great payday for me. It was probably the most I'd ever been paid for any type of project that I had done. Uh, and most of that, I want to say about 60% of my reservation dogs paycheck went into tribal force before I had been talking to Gene. And then when I had talked to Gene, I had, you know, pages that were being done, which I think got him excited because, you know, the, the ball was already rolling. I was determined I was going to put tribal force out on my own if I had to, um, you know, so when people are like, when they, they kind of look at me and say, oh, you're on Reservation Dogs, you're on this huge show, you know Taika Waititi, you know Sterling Harjo. It's like, yeah, I know them. They don't return my calls, but I know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I know them. You know, it's not like they're jumping on board to, to help this project out. They got their own yeah. things that they're doing. Uh, so Gene, and then Gene, you know, Gene utilizing his resources was able to come up with the rest of the funds you know, to get us to where we're at now. Um, so we've literally exhausted all our resources. We're like, we're at the end. And, uh, you know, and that's why we're reaching out to the community. Now we feel, you know, we've put our blood, sweat and tears into it. And we just need this final push. We just need the support from La Raza, you know, the people. And, uh, and hopefully we get it, you know, cause it's going to be amazing. It really is. Yeah. Christian, do you have anything? Um, 
do you guys uh, plan on going to any kind of con conventions? Any do you guys plan any conventions coming up that you guys are going to be at? Yeah, so we'll be at WonderCon in Anaheim on uh, that's March 24th to the 25th, and we'll also be at San Diego. We were there last year just to kind of test the waters with it. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll be at San Diego Comic Con and um, trying to get out to a couple of smaller conventions as well. Um, you know, when you don't have the resources, you don't have like the full lineup. So usually, you know, it, I was told it takes about a year to kind of, oh, yeah, by the way, you just missed Emerald City or you just missed Chicago and everything. I'd yeah. like to get back to the Midwest. I'd like to get to Chicago. I'd like to get to Texas. I'd like to get to these other places where I have dear friends, you know, and, and have, you know, heard letters and, and support from people along the way. But again, it's, you know, getting to a convention, you know, that's a book sometimes, you know, that, that do I, do I produce a book or do I go to a con, you know? Yeah. And so uh, that's one of the things that people, I think, I don't think, unfortunately understand is it's a lot of resources that draws from what, you know, the, the creative part that we actually want to produce, you know, so right now we're just, I'm focusing, okay, if we can get there, absolutely. You know, I, because I want to see the fans face to face. I, I love meeting fans and people that uh, acknowledge and support our work. You know, I want to shake their hand and lick you in the eye and say, thank you. You know, and um, one of the things I love actually about being at the cons and everything is nine out of 10 times I'll go somewhere and usually the kids will come up first because uh, they just, they get it at a different level. Kids, you know, they're usually under you know, 12, from 12 and below, there's a sparkle that you see, you see a kid light up at that level. Then they just want to know, okay, how do I do what you do? And to me, that's gold, you know, because then you have, now you actually are talking, you can make a difference in somebody's lives. And that's what I think it's all about. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, so this, uh, the first, uh, this book, is it the same story that y'all told back in 96 or is it different? Well, it's, it's different. It's, I'm finally getting to tell the story I've wanted to tell and not have to worry about, uh, you know, somebody telling me you can't write about that or can't say those things or we can't show those things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's bits, there's elements of the old story in there. Obviously, it'll, you know, for all the fans that originally started with it, it's not completely different, but there's new elements. It, this is the tribal force I've always, the way I've always wanted it to be. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I got, I got technically two things. So, one, uh, just from talking to you and going over everything, I'm actually going to up my pledge uh, a little bit. So, there's, yeah. there's that. Uh, I'm going to do that in a minute. Um, not just talk about it. I'm going to actually do it. <laughs> uh, two, uh, one of uh, the co-hosts, uh, Jay, Jay Rue, uh, is what he goes by. Um, his grandma is Alaska Native American. He wants to know, is there any possible, um, uh, uh, like, a member or an appearance later on? Uh, any, like, thoughts about adding an Alaska Native American? Yeah. Um, uh, and later on. Adi, Adi is uh, is Quakutal. He's from the Quakutal tribe, which is in Alaska. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got you, got you. Okay. Yeah, so tell him to show his grandmother oh, oh. when she sees Adi, she'll know. She'll know because it's authentic. It looks exactly like the artwork from that part of the country. 
Okay, I'll I'll definitely let him know. He he wasn't able to make it tonight. He uh, he's like on call all the time, all the damn time and stuff like that. So uh, he gets called out like at two o'clock in the morning type of stuff. So it's hard for him to make shows a lot of the times. Uh, but I'll pass along the message and I'll let him know and tell him. Yeah, Adi the I'll Thunderbird. He's the bird at the bottom of the page or the poster. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I don't have any other questions. I I mean we've taken up. Uh, you know a bit of your time i want to be mindful here uh but thank you very much for coming on um do you guys have anything else that you guys would like to say before uh we go ahead and end the stream gene <laughs> well first of all thank you for everybody that that's you know supported us so far we're just over halfway you know we're just over 59 percent on on our campaign so far uh we have three weeks to go and uh, we're excited about, you know, the potential and, and the possibility that's to come. Uh, thank you, Gil. Uh, and, and thank you all. I think your, your entire staff. I know there's a bunch of people back there. Um, but thank you guys for support. You know, this was a cold call that you made. And, you know, we didn't know you before we came on. And, and you guys seem like hell of a guy. I'd love to hang out. And, you know, we have a lot. Of oh, absolutely. Play, play around of d and I'm, I'm all for that. And, uh you know, it's been great. And, and, and thank you for, you know, just giving us the opportunity to share, you know, tribal force with you. Yeah. Thank you, and yeah, thank you guys so much, man. This is a huge thing for us and uh, everybody. Thanks to everybody that's watching and all the fans of reservation dogs. And I'm going to try and get uh, Paulina Alexis who plays Willie Jack, my daughter to do something for us, you know, give uh, tribal force a shout out or something like that. So keep watching, keep watching the, Kickstarter page, and we'll we'll have some surprises for you. <laughs> All right. Matt just said, "Great show, definitely sold me to grab a few copies." Happy to support something positive. All Thank right. you, man. Appreciate it, bud. Very. Thank good. you, Christian. Yeah, I mean that's a that's another thing that I wanted um, to point out that you know I'm glad I'm really happy that you guys came on the show because you really guys you explained it the. You explain the book a lot more and what goes into it, and and I'm and it's so moving that uh, John's putting you know these real stories into into these characters yeah. and dealing with real problems and stuff like that because like he said anybody can do a Native American X Men and and it'll just be superheroes and fighting and stuff like that but this this is actually dealing with real issues and real real things that are going on and that that has happened and stuff like that I. You know, I, when I looked into the Kickstarter, I, I saw I started seeing the vision that you guys were doing and how you guys were incorporating everything from the past and stuff like that. And so it's beautiful. And I, I love it. And I'm definitely backing up this Kickstarter. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Definitely. And so everybody, a couple things. Head over to Instagram. Go to machine underscore comics with the X. Make sure to give them a follow. In there, click on the bio. You'll see the link for the Kickstarter. Click on that. Make sure to grab yourself a couple copies, not just one, a couple copies. You're going to want this. Trust me. Um, so make sure to go over the Kickstarter backslash projects, backslash artist gene, backslash tribal dash force. If you want to type out the HTTPS type of stuff. Uh, but if not, just head over to that Instagram, click the link in the bio. It'll take you right there. Back to project. Um, Thank you, everybody, for stopping by. Thank you for asking questions. Again, I'm your host, Gil, Black Hole Comics, all social media and YouTube. Till next time, make sure to say geeked up and geek out. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Thanks, bud.
So I ended the uh, stream here. So I'll go ahead and.